0: All right. I, I don't want to go on with any more announcements because I want to preach because uh, I just feel like God's speaking to us as a church lately around the Follow Me series. Who's been enjoying it? Had some amazing sermons from people like Norfe and Damo and, and who else has preached? Melinda last week was fantastic. Steve preaching an amazing. Who's, who's getting the podcasts? If you don't get the podcast yet, all you need to do is either go on your iTunes account, type in the Port Church, you'll see the pod, all the sermons from the last few weeks, or go to a website called Podbean, P-O-D-B-E-A-N, Podbean, and register with that, follow us, type in the Port Church, and you'll get the church's sermons every week. Isn't that cool? So if you don't, if you don't understand everything I'm talking about tonight... Get the podcast and listen to it over and over again until you understand it. Isn't that right, Tanya? That's right. Have you got it yet? No. Come on. Get on it. It's good. It's good stuff. It's been fantastic. So, um, But I want to start tonight because this is the last time I'm going to be preaching on Follow Me. The first week I talked about anyone can follow Jesus. Then last week we talked about you need to deny yourself to follow him. And tonight I'm going to talk about taking up our cross. And, uh, but I want to do a quiz to start with. Does that sound cool? Who likes quizzes? Anyone like quizzes? Because there's a lot of symbols in our society that we use that represent a lot of things. And so I thought I would do a bit of a quiz and see who recognizes these symbols. So uh, anyone know what that represents? You can yell it out. Don't put your hand up. The commos. The commos communism is what it represents. Who's Russian here? Does that mean anything to you? It's on the Russian flag. Communism, that's not bad. You've done pretty good to start with. What about this one? Anyone got any idea? Ah, Ashok knows this one. No one got it this morning, but Ashok knows it. This is the symbol symbol for Hinduism. It's the symbol of Om. And you go, Om. That's it. That's what it is. The symbol for Om. Uh, next one, Gracie. What's the next one we got there? What's that? Switzerland. Not Switzerland. What was it? Red Cross. Red Cross. That's right. It's Red Cross. All right. Well done. What's the next one? <laughs> Hitler, Nazi Germany. That gets everyone. Support. Now I've just picked these randomly. Don't get upset. If we've got these sort of symbols in the church, I've prayed over them. They're all clear. They're okay. We're not preaching this. Do not put it on social media. All right. Thank you, Gracie. Thank you. Anyone know what that is? It it is Celtic. What's it represent? The Trinity. It's the symbol of the Trinity uh, in Celtic form. You can see all the loops, top Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, all interwoven and interconnected, and one, which is pretty powerful. What's the next one we've got there? Oh. No, it is on the Turkish flag. It's the Muslim. It's the moon and crescent, the Muslim symbol. So uh, we've seen a lot of that lately. What's that? What's that represent? Valentine's Day. What's Valentine's Day about? We never celebrate that, so we got no idea. Your wife, love. Anyone used to go to school and you used to write your name on there, BC for, and you, on your crush. Who's got a crush on this side? Nikita. Who's your crush? I think I know. I think I know, but I won't say anything. Uh, what's this one? Peace. This is a really interesting one. Has anyone ever heard the fact that um, a lot of Christians used to get upset at this sign because they used to say it was an upside down broken cross? That's not true. It's actually not true. That's actually, yeah, exactly. It's a myth. Uh, Christians got upset about it and they made that up. But the actual thing is it's the sign, the semaphore signs for nuclear disarmament. It's an N and a D. And what it stands for is world peace to stop nuclear disarmament. It was anti-nuclear. And so that's why they developed this sign of peace, which I I put there because sometimes we see symbols and they actually don't mean what we exactly think they mean. They can mean more. And I, I think the next symbol that we've got is the symbol of the cross, which represents Christianity, Jesus. And um, we all know that the cross is what Jesus died on. Easter's coming up next week, and Jesus came as a man, died on a cross to save us and to bring us back into relationship with Him, which is a powerful symbol for us as Christians. But in our text that we've been talking about for the last little while, you're going to have to help me, Gracie, my thing's not working. It says, then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone desires to come after me, let him take up his let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Take up his cross and follow me. Jesus said this many weeks before he actually went to the cross. So to me, that says as much and as important as the cross is, and we revere it because it's what Jesus died on and what that represents. Because Jesus talked about it even before he went to the cross. To me, it says that the cross is, has even more significance for us as followers of Jesus than the fact that Jesus died on one. Because Jesus said that we are to take up our cross and follow him. So tonight, I want to look at that. I want to look at what that means because Jesus made the cross the central theme of Christianity. And I believe that anyone who wants to follow him needs to understand what it means to take up your cross. What that is all about. One commentator gives a really interesting picture of this. When he said, when he was explaining this passage, he says, Jesus said, if you want to be a part of my mission then take up your cross and follow me. He was literally saying, in contemporary terms, he was literally saying, you need to tie a noose around your neck and follow me to the gallows. That's pretty confronting, isn't it? He was literally saying, you need to strap yourself into an electric chair and follow me to the execution chamber. That's what Jesus was talking about when he's saying, follow me. And that's a, that's a graphic picture. But this is how serious it is to be a follow, follower of Jesus. It's not just something that is you do in your part time or you do as a hobby. This is something that Jesus is saying, if you desire to come after me, you need to take up your cross. Now, to fully understand this, we need to go to the culture of the day. Because why would Jesus use the picture of the cross? I believe he used the picture of the cross because they saw it a lot in their society in that time. I'll read you a passage from one historian who tells us, to the people of Jesus' day, the cross was a very concrete and vivid reality. It was the instrument of execution reserved for Rome's worst enemies. It was a symbol Of the torture and death that awaited those who dared to raise a hand against Roman authority. All of us know that when Jesus walked the earth in a little country called Israel, they were under the rule of an oppressor called Rome, who was controlling Israel at the time. And not many years before Jesus and his disciples wandered the lands of Galilee, a hundred men had been crucified in that area. A century earlier, just a 100 years earlier, Alexander Janius had actually crucified 800 Jewish rebels at Jerusalem. 800 crucifixions. Think about that. And this is the picture that Jesus is giving us if we want to follow him. Think about that for a moment. After a, a revolt that followed the death of Herod the Great, 2,000 Jews were crucified by the Roman proconsul Verus. 2,000. Historians estimate that crucifixions happened regularly during Jesus' life. And they estimate that perhaps 30,000 crucifixions, 30,000, that's as many, as many people that live in Mount Gambia. 30,000 crucifixions occurred during the time of Jesus' life here on earth in Israel. So when Jesus said to his disciples, take up your cross, they knew exactly what he was talking about. They knew exactly what it was all about. You see, when, they, when he said, take up your cross the picture that they got straight away is that it was a symbol, number one, of submission. In their experience, the Roman government actually used this practice that before a criminal was to be nailed on a cross, he had to take the cross upon himself or herself and carry it to their place of crucifixion. Now you go, yeah, we know that. Jesus did that. Imagine 8,000 people carrying a cross to their crucifixion. At one time, so this is a picture that they saw regularly. Now, to the Roman government, this actually signified a complete submission of the criminal to the authority and power of Rome. See, if what's a criminal? A criminal is a person that breaks the law. Now, the people who made the law in Jesus' time were the Romans, and so what the Romans said: if you break our law, then you will feel feel the full force of our authority. And we will make you take a cross upon your shoulders and we will make you carry that to your crucifixion so everyone knows you are under our authority, that your life is in our control. Your life is in our hands. That's pretty full on, isn't it? But this is the thing. Jesus says, take up your cross and follow me. So, what he is literally saying to his, his disciples is if you want to follow me, that means you have to take my cross upon you. Or, in other words, my authority, the authority of my cross upon you. In other words, you have to put my life, your life, in my hands, and you have to give me control. You have to give me power. So when the, Jesus gave this command, he was saying that you need to embrace His way, the way of the cross. In doing so, you're completely submitting yourself to Him and to His power and to His authority. To save you, you are putting your life completely in His hands. The second thing it's a symbol of is that it was a symbol an instrument of death. That's pretty straightforward. We know that it's a crucifixion, it's where people were executed. But the fact is, once they saw someone carrying a cross down the street, they knew exactly that those people were going to their death. It was inevitable. They would next be hung on the cross, and they would be hung there until they were dead. That was the fact. So if you saw a man walking down the street with a cross, he said, that's the end. It's the, they were walking to their death. But here's the amazing part. This is the part I love. You see, in, in the kingdom of God, death is not the end. Death is only a gateway. Because when Jesus carried that cross, and he carried it to Golgotha, and he was nailed to it, and he died on it, who knows that that wasn't the finish. Because Jesus was the perfect sacrifice. Jesus was the blameless sacrifice. He was the one without sin. And so death had no control over him. It had no power over him. And on the third day, we'll celebrate next Sunday, he was resurrected to new life. And that's the powerful thing about the cross, is that Jesus was the first to be resurrected, but there are many of us to follow that anyone who follows him is promised the resurrection. How good's that? You have the promise of the resurrection. This is what I love in Galatians 2.20. It says this. Let's read it on the screen. I have been crucified with Christ and I, what is it? I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith, in the son of what did we just sing before let faith arise let fi- faith rise up i live by faith in the son of god who loved me and gave himself up for me i have been crucified with christ why not so that i die yes i died to self i died to the kingdom of self and all the selfishness and all my own ways but i am made alive to christ i am made alive to christ The kingdom of God now lives in me. The the spirit of God now lives in me and I am now resurrected to a new life, a new man. How good is that? Church, when Jesus said, take up your cross, he was promising you resurrection life. Because he knows that when you lay down and lay down your life and say, I'm turning my back on my old life as you do in baptism and I'm going to a new life, he will raise you up to a new life in him. You are a new creation. The narrative of the Christian faith is all about resurrection. It's why we get baptised. It's, it's literally the fact, and I know we believe, and this is the truth, we believe that one day when we really die, physically die, that we will be in heaven with God, which is an amazing promise. But let me say this to you, that if we choose to follow him, then we choose to die now to the life that we once lived. We turn our back on the life of self-centeredness, of doing it our own way, of being in control and living for ourselves, and we turn our life towards God, and we say, we need you, God. We put ourselves under your authority, and he resurrects us to new life now. God's promise of new life is now. It's not next week. It's not when we die and go to heaven. It's now. He wants to pour his life into you now. That's why he says in Matthew 16, when he goes on to say, um, let's go on to the next one. For whoever This is what he says after he tells us to take up our cross and follow him. He says, for whoever desires to save his life will lose it. So if you try to hang on to your life here and say, I'm going to do it. I'm going to be in control. I'm going to be the one who does that's in control of my life my own life I'm independent I'm I'm it and a bit then you'll lose your life but if you whoever loses his life for my sake what's Jesus promise you will find it what will you find you will find true life you will find real life not a life that is controlled by yourself or others but a life that is full of God, a life that is abundant, Jesus says, abundant life that he has called you to. This is the promise of the resurrection. I love the way he says it in Romans 8.11. Have a look at this. This is amazing. Romans 8.11 says, The Spirit of God, that's God himself, who raised Jesus from the dead, lives in you. Think about that church. When you turn your back on your old life and turn towards God and to follow God, and you take up your Christ cross, he says, this, "The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in you." He puts that same spirit that gave Jesus resurrection power. He puts it in us. And just as God raised Jesus Christ from the dead, He will give life to your mortal bodies. Who needs that? Who needs life? Well, that's God's promise that when you take up your cross and follow him and die to self, he will give life, resurrection life to your mortal bodies. That is amazing. By this same spirit living within you. This is the amazing thing. This is the new man that is founded in Jesus' authority. The old man is dead and along with it, independence and selfishness is dead, and we go to a life of living for Christ, living for Him, a selfless, obedient life to to God. But here's the challenge. There's always a challenge, isn't there? Because once we die to self and accept Jesus, we now need to live in resurrection life daily. It doesn't, we can't just do it once and it's done, we have to practice and learn how to live in resurrection life every day. How do we do that? Putting it simply, we do it by staying focused on the things that truly matter. You see, the idols we once built our life on, which is control, lust, power, money, relationships, those things that we once built our life along on are no longer in control. But now we we build our life upon the things that really matter, which are God's kingdom. Paul says it this way in Colossians 3, verses 1 to 4. Since then you have been raised with Christ. What's that mean? Resurrected with Christ. Set your hearts on things above. That's on the things of the kingdom of God, where Jesus is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above not on earthly things, for you died. What did you die to? The old life, doing your own thing, being in control. And now your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will appear with him in glory. Hallelujah and amen. Amen. you got to say it, church. Resurrection life is the promise of the cross. That's what it is. It's amazing. It's wonderful, Linny. That's what it is. The third thing that the cross symbolizes is it it was a symbol of sacrifice. You see, not every person who died on a Roman cross was a criminal. Some of them, like Jesus, died to save others. Some of them died for a cause they deemed worthy enough to make the ultimate sacrifice. Maybe they, some of them were Jewish patriots and they were going, we want to break free of Rome's control and we want Israel to be on its own. And so they died for that cause to see Israel stand on their own two feet again. But when Jesus calls us to take up our cross, it's about sacrifice. Because that's what it was to him. Jesus made the selfless sacrifice of going to the cross and dying for us. And he asked us to do the same. Jesus knew the pain he was going to endure, but he chose the cross anyway. And sometimes you think, why would Jesus do that? To put it simply, Jesus did that because he loved us, the Bible tells us. Now, this isn't some wishy-washy romantic love like BC for whoever or JC Jesus Christ? No, Julie Carbone. Um, It's not that sort of wishy-washy romantic love. The type of love Jesus died on a cross for was what the Bible describes as agape love. We've talked about it here a lot at church, but that's a love that is defined as unconquerable benevolence. You go, what on earth does that mean? What that means is when you see the best in someone and will do the best for someone no matter how they behave or act, a bit like what David was saying around communion. You see, unconquerable benevolence is understanding that every person that God creates is of unsurpassable worth and value. Every person. There's not one person that God creates that he doesn't create to be valued, valuable and, and worth, worthy. And, and we need to understand that. But when we understand that and we know every one of us God creates with unsurpassable worth, then we'll do whatever we take to show that person the love of God, that they are loved and cared for and valued. And even if that person does the wrong thing by us, we will still love them. That's what Jesus did on the cross. Remember the words he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. That's agape love. That's the sort of love that drove Jesus to the cross. If the cross is the symbol of Christianity, then we need to remember that it's, it is a symbol of submission, yes, but it's not just a symbol of submission. We need to remember that it's a symbol of death and, sacri- and resurrection. We need to remember that, but that's not all it represents. We need to also remember that it's a symbol of selfless sacrifice where we lay down our lives for others, no matter what. You know what the cross isn't a symbol of? It's not a symbol of moral purity. Is it, Gordo? The cross isn't a symbol of reserved for those who are perfect and who have got it all together and are succeeding in life and doing amazing things. No. The cross is a symbol of selfless sacrifice. It's a symbol of love, real love, true love, authentic love. The love that Jesus describes in John fifteen thirteen, where he says, greater love has no man than to lay down his life for a friend. That's the sort of love that the cross represents. If I get keys up you see to follow Jesus we need to choose to deny the kingdom of self but it doesn't finish there we must submit ourselves to God's authority and put the kingdom of self to death and we do this by daily sacrificing our lives for God and others Paul says it this way in Romans 12 1 to 3 where he says therefore I urge you brothers and sisters In the view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. Think about that for a moment. It's not a once-off sacrifice. It's a living daily sacrifice. Holy and acceptable and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world. What's the pattern of this world? Me, me, me. Selfie, selfie, selfie. I want I want what I want. I'll get what I want. I'm in control. I'm independent. I'm strong. That's the pattern of this world, but Paul says, "Don't conform to that pattern, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind." Setting your mind on things above is what it said in Colossians. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His Good, pleasing and perfect will. Church, when we see the cross, like up there, we need to see it for what it really is. We, don't, we shouldn't even just see it like this and revere it and go, oh, wonderful cross. We actually need to pick it up. We need to grab it. We need to embrace it. Not as just a symbol. We need to embrace it as a way of life. This is a way of life. Jesus was not just saying, oh, you know, honour me by honouring the cross. No. He was saying honour me by living by the way of the cross. We need to embrace the cross. It's not just there to be a symbol. It's here to be our life, our way of life. It's a life of submission, yes, to God. It's a life of death to remind us daily that we need to die to ourselves and live to God, be resurrected to God's ways, not our ways. And it's a life of self-sacrifice. It's a reminder of self-sacrifice that we are to lay our lives down for God and others, not live for ourselves. This is the cross. This is the cross, the way of life that God calls us to embrace with everything we are. Now I long for the day when the world knows that we are His disciples because we live by the way of the cross. Think about it for a moment. Jesus said, They will know you are my disciples by the love you have for one another. By the love you will have for one another. It doesn't say that they will know you are my disciples by the things that you don't believe in or the things that you are anti of. Because sometimes when I talk to people and they say, oh you're a Christian so you're anti this or you're anti that. You don't believe in this or you don't believe in that. And that breaks my heart because that's not what Christianity is all about. Sometimes I meet people and, 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 it's, and they say to me, oh, you're a Christian so you don't drink and smoke and swear and, and do all that sort of stuff. And that might be true, but at the same time, that's not what I want. That's not what God wants His disciples to be known for. He doesn't say I want you to be known for the fact that you are morally pu- pure. Pure. As important as that might be as you're serving God, that's not the thing. The thing is by the love you have for one another. You know, the thing that I desire, that I want to see, is that that people would say, oh, you're a Christian because you're one of those people who, who loves those who are hurting and those who are broken. 're one of those you're a christian so you're one of those people who, who are there for those who are in terrible situations and need support oh you're a christian you 're the sort of people that restore my hope in humanity because you are you are out there loving others and living for others that 's the sort of church I want to be a part of that 's what we need to be you know this week at Popper, we had someone come along who was who was high as a kite. And normally, you know, we're very careful about that sort of thing. But the person who brought them along said to me, look, I'm just going to let you know this person is, is stoned tonight. and is, But I just thought they should come along because I know this is a safe place for them. And I, that warmed my heart. Because, and you know, He didn't cause any trouble. He was fine. Everything was good. But he was here because it was a place. Someone brought him here because they knew he would be safe here. It was a place where he wouldn't be judged, that he wouldn't be pulled down, but he could have a meal and he could get food in his stomach and he could be loved in a very real and practical way. That's the sort of church that takes up their cross to follow Jesus a church that lays down their lives for others a church that isn't perfect but is a church that and a people that are submitted to God that are dead to ourselves and alive to God and loving God and our world selflessly and with everything we have that's what taking up your cross is. That's what it looks like. So when Jesus said, take up your cross, He was saying, submit. He was saying, die to self and live to me, be resurrected in me. He was saying, live sacrificially for those around you. Show my love wherever you go. And so tonight I'm going to come to a close. And this is the last time I'm going to preach, follow me. Because this is where it finishes. This is where the rubber hits the road. This is what it's about. And I'm going to throw out a challenge to us as a church. Will you choose the cross? Will you choose the cross? I'm not saying will you choose to revere it and honour it as, as nice as that is, I'm saying, will you choose to pick it up and carry it? Will you choose the way of life that is the cross? Will you choose the way of the cross? I'm going to pray. And I'm, we're going to do something a little bit different tonight. But I felt this when I was preparing that there needed to be a response. There needed to be a response to the way of the cross. And that response is, I'm going to say a prayer. And then those of you who are ready, those who you, of you who say, I choose the cross. I choose this way of life. And you want to make a public statement and declaration before all these people and before God to say, I will choose the cross. I want you to stand and declare it, to say it out loud at the end of my prayer. Now you go, Ben, that's hard. That's tough. That's tough. Hey, let me say this, what Jesus did for you on this cross was hard and tough. So if he was prepared to do that, how hard is it to stand up in front of some people and say, I choose the cross? I think that's the least we can do. It's just the beginning of what we can do because tomorrow we then put it into practice and we follow him. So I'm going to pray. And once I say amen, I'll leave it to you. If you would say, I choose the cross, I want you to stand and say it. And then we're going to pray even more. But let's bow our heads in prayer. Lord God, I thank you for the cross. I thank you that it's more than just a symbol, but it's a way of life. A life that's signified by the fact that you have all authority in our lives. A cross that signifies the death and resurrection that is available to us in you. And a cross that symbolises a way of life that is characterised by love, selfless, unconquerable love. And so tonight, God, we make a stand for you to choose your cross. In Jesus' name, Amen.